We turn our Bibles uh, to the chapter we read in 1 Timothy and chapter 3. 1 Timothy and chapter 3. And thinking of this first verse in this chapter together. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. The work of the elder. Perhaps you've been asking in this past week, what does our new prime minister do? How committed is she to her task? As she has been absent on numerous occasions, as the markets have tumbled, people have been wondering where she is, what is she doing, why is she not addressing the nation at this time. Nicholas Sturgeon at her party conference is complaining that the new prime minister has not set a time to meet with her and to discuss the needs of that northern part of the United Kingdom. What is she doing? How committed to her work is she? Didn't we see her leave her party conference early to go and meet with another group of nations? And perhaps that is not the only job or work that you've been asking about this week. Perhaps as we've considered the eldership, you've been asking, what do they do? What is their work? And this morning we come to think in a little part in this verse about the work of elders. In the parallel passage, uh, which we've been studying in Titus and chapter 1, the focus there has been on the qualification of elders. Perhaps that's because the work of an elder is well known and people were familiar in the time of Paul writing of the work of an elder. Or perhaps it's because the qualifications of an elder are more important than explaining what the elder actually does. If a man has these qualifications, then he will be a good elder within the church. And such a focus on the qualifications has helped us, I trust, in our preparation for today and in our thinking about voting for new elders. A congregation, John MacArthur maintains, will only be a strong as its elders. The spiritual tone of a congregation will rise no higher, he argues, than the spiritual nature of the elders. And so qualifications have been the main focus of our studies and preparation for today. But as we come to think of electing new elders, we think this morning of the work of elders in this verse. And it is, first of all, a dominant work, isn't it? They are called here in verse 1 an overseer. Their work is a dominant work. This term gives us insight into what the role and function of elders is. It's used interchangeably in Titus 1 verses 5 to 9 with the word elder. So overseer and elder is the same role and function within the church. The overseer term explains 
what the elder is. He oversees the spiritual lives of the congregation. He's looking out for spiritual growth within the members and commending it. He's looking out for spiritual waywardness within the members and addressing it. He doesn't live with his head in the sand. He's not fully concerned with his own family, business and hobbies. He oversees the spiritual lives of others. He prays for the members. He loves the members. He knows the members. He watches out for the members. He helps the members. He oversees the spiritual lives of the members. The common image of an overseer in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is that of a shepherd. And this encapsulates this idea of overseeing. The shepherd, by definition, tends, herds, feeds, guards the sheep. The most famous UK shepherd is Amanda Owen. She has eight children, 700 sheep, and 2,000 acres to manage. She is an overseer in a, a big sense of that word. And it's this idea of shepherding that is used to describe the, the elders' work in the Old and the New Testament. And so we read in 1 Peter 5, verse 1 and 2, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God, oversee the flock. A shepherd provides water for his sheep, pasture, chases away foxes and crows, shears his sheep, attends the sick and the young. He doesn't leave them to fend for themselves. He oversees the flock. And so God has appointed elders to be shepherds within Christ's church to oversee his sheep. Acts 20 verse 28 we read, Pay careful attention to the flock, Paul said to the elders. Hebrews 13 and verse 17 of the church leaders we read, They are keeping watch over your souls. Of course the overseer of others is to oversee himself first. The overseer is never to let his dominant work become a domineering work. He can't let the power get to his head. But nonetheless, God has appointed that there will be a local leaders in local churches who will watch over the spiritual lives of the congregation, not looking past you, not looking down at you, not looking through you, not looking over you, but looking after you. The overseer is a dominant work. But secondly, it's a demanding work. You see the last word in our first verse, task. John MacArthur points out the, the essence of this word 
It's a word which means laboring to the point of exhaustion. Perhaps we can get the the wrong idea of an elder from the term office in this first verse. We can think of session members as a type of gentleman's club where the members meet and chat, filled with a sense of their own self-importance. But a true elder is a grafter. An overseer rolls up his sleeves. An elder knows what it is to be mentally exhausted in trying to find the biblical answer to pastoral problems. Knows what it is to be emotionally exhausted in loving errant members and spiritually exhausted through earnest prayer. Come to any of our session meetings some night and you will see the elders toil. But that's the work of a faithful elder. It's a task. It's labor. The noted English reformer Hugh Latimer made this point in a striking sermon entitled The Sermon of the Plough. And here's part of that very famous sermon from the 16th century. And now he says, I would ask you a strange question. Who is the most diligent overseer in all England? He passes all the rest in doing his office. I can tell for I know who it is, he says. I know him well. But now I think I see you listening and hearkening that I should name him. There is one that passes all the others. And will you know who it is? I will tell you, he says, it is the devil. He is the most diligent overseer of all others. He is ever in his parish. He keeps residence at all times. He is ever at home. He is ever applying to his business. You never find him idle. Oh, that our overseers, he says, were as diligent. And I hope you're sitting there and saying, he's wrong. Because the most diligent overseer in England and in Northern Ireland is Jesus. But we get his point, don't we? He ends, if you will not learn from God, and he was preaching to elders, if you will not learn from God, or from good men to be diligent in your office learn from the devil it's a demanding work thirdly it's a dignified work our verse begins the saying is trustworthy for balance in this sermon and in this verse it's it's only preachers who can be unbalanced the bible is wonderfully balanced but but for balance here there 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 is now alongside of the, the dominant work and the demanding work comforts as we think of the work of the elder and here is one this opening phrase here the saying is trustworthy 
And this is a special phrase within the pastoral writings that occurs five times. The saying is trustworthy. It was a special phrase which was concocted by Paul or by the early church. And here he's latching onto it. It was well known. It was used within the early century. The saying, this saying, this particular set of words is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And what's interesting about this set of five words is that all other four words are doctrinal. They refer to God's incredible work of salvation. For example, chapter 1 and verse 15, we read the the very famous words, the saying is trustworthy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What a statement that is of salvation. And so likewise, chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, verse 11, Titus 3, verses 5 to 7. The saying is trustworthy. And then there's this doctrinal, compressed summary of the gospel. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But what's interesting for us today is that the apostle lifts up alongside of these four heavy, compressed doctrinal statements, this practical one. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. We're to think of Christ coming in to save sinners. We're to think of the grace of God God being the saviour of all men, especially of those who believe. Mighty statements. But we're also to think that the work of the elder is a noble task. It's a dignified work. It's one of the big five statements of the early church. A trustworthy saying. Being an overseer of the flock of Christ, which he has bought with his blood, is therefore a high honor. Arguably, the greatest honor to be conferred on any Christian in this world. Above being a CEO of a multi-billion pound company, above being a director of a successful business or a local MP, To be an elder within the church of Jesus Christ, the apostle says, this is a a noble task. And fourthly, it's a delightful work. Fasten on to the word noble in verse 1. An adjective which scholars have searched for words to explain. The Greek word is kalos. Some suggest good, some suggest fine, honourable, excellent, worthwhile, high quality. This work of the elder is a noble task. The spiritual overseeing of the elder is good, 
and fine and honourable and excellent and worthwhile and high quality service within Christ church. It's demanding, but it's noble. It's unappreciated at times, but it's always noble. It's often unseen, but it's still noble. It's quickly forgotten, but it's noble. It's misunderstood sometimes, but it's noble. Towner takes the positive side of this noble work and mentions the positive contribution which elders make within a congregation. As they faithfully encourage you, as they comfort you in loss, as they support you in trouble, it will have a positive contribution to you and to others. This is good work, noble work, worthwhile work because of the beneficent effects that it has in your life. Robert Mounts, he looks at the, 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 the nobleness in a more negative way by keeping away errors and wrong practices. The elder oversees and, and warns and, and, and rebukes and, and, and pulls back from, from waywardness. And this is a noble work. They may bring along creation ministries to, to counter the powerful influence of evolution within our society and education system. They may ask preachers along and they may recommend books to encourage you to stay true to Christ and close to him. And all of that, the positive encouragement, the warnings, rebukes, is a noble task. A delightful work. A dignified work. A demanding work. And lastly, it's a desired work. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. The ESV reflects the fact that there's two different Greek words uh, being used here, and so it has aspires in one place and desires in the next place. Some scholars, Knight, for example, he thinks the words are synonymous and just mean basically the same thing, aspires, desires. Some think the first reflects a, a, an outer aspiration. It literally means to reach out the hand. The second, perhaps, the, the inner compulsion after this office or this role. And perhaps that there are nuances there in which we're to, 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 to discern and, and understand and appreciate in this statement setting out that this is a desired work. The Genevan Bible makes this comment about such a desire. It says, He does not speak here of ambitious seeking, of which there cannot be a worse fault in the church, but generally of the mind and disposition of man prepared and disposed to help and edify the church of God when and wherever it will please the Lord. But you're maybe sitting there and going, who would ever desire this work? This 
place of responsibility, this place of effort, time, energy. Perhaps the verse is not directed primarily on those who are not yet elected. But perhaps it will be more useful to those who will be elected. The men chosen we trust today, if they're worth their salt, will be most humbled and feel most inadequate. And once they've recovered from that initial phone call from myself, the Spirit of God we trust will work in their hearts and cause them to to realize just as this verse is addressing such a need and such a situation, well, actually, John, Jim, James, Tom, I'm trying not to name anybody in the congregation here, it's... uh, Well, actually, whoever you are, this this is a noble task. This is a great thing to which God is calling you. The Lord has given himself for his church. And now God's people are calling you to give yourself for his church. And so perhaps this will be a verse that that those who are elected will will find help and comfort in. Anyone aspiring to the office of overseer is desiring a noble task. Some writers think that this first verse, this faithful saying, this trustworthy word, was well known because it was used by the godly in prayer. As they came before God, there was a a shortage of elders in the first century. Elders were targeted. They were persecuted. As leaders of of this rising new religious group of Christianity, it was not a role that anyone wanted to step into. And so the godly perhaps used this in prayer. That God, by his spirit, would so work in the hearts of men that they would see that this office within the church This is a noble office, caring for Christ's people. And we, at this time, can also use this verse as a prayer today that the men who who will be elected will discover and realize that this is a noble task.